Welcome back, friends. Lost Scarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. This podcast is dedicated to going over everything Kirby, and this time we're going over a Kirby Right Back At You episode. We're also working on the next game episode, which will be Kirby Superstar. As always, you can give us feedback on the YouTube version's comments section or at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. Also, don't forget that Kirby's Dreamcast now has its own channel on YouTube, so you can get only Kirby content instead of all our other projects if that's what you want. So the major big news right now for this episode of the podcast is that Kirby Manga Mania is now out in the U.S. It's $10 to get it, and you can buy it on Amazon, and it is the first time a Kirby manga has been officially translated to English. It's published through Viz Media, and these are collections of manga gathered from 25 volumes of Kirby mangas drawn by Hikawa Hirokazu, and these manga go as far back as 1996. So it's like a greatest hits collection. There will be two more books this year in September and December, and I already pre-ordered mine. Someday we'll do episodes going over these manga, and in the distant future I'll try to translate some of the Japanese-only manga myself so we can talk about them. And I found a seller who is selling them. All 25 Japanese volumes. Obviously they're used. Same thing for Papu Kirby as well. That's the one with the fang. I found a seller for that too. A lot of money to buy them, but if I really want to do this thing, I'm going to save up money so I can get them. So look forward to that in who knows how many years, because Scarf still needs to learn Japanese. The other news is that the fifth anniversary of Kirby Planet Robobot happened since last episode we did. We're still a couple years away from covering that game, but it is a lot of people's number one Kirby game. It came out in Japan and Korea on the 28th of April 2016, and in the EU and US it was June 10th 2016, with Australia getting it on the 11th of June 2016. There's a lot of love about uh, Planet Robobot, and it'll be great to cover it in the future. Kirby Triple Deluxe brought out a lot of new great ideas for Kirby, and Robobot refined them very well. I, however, rank Triple Deluxe over Robobot because it was the one that brought in those ideas and helped modernize Kirby. Without Triple Deluxe, we can't have Planet Robobot. Of course, that does open a different can of worms of arguing that you have to keep going back to origins of different concepts to say it's better because of the cultural impact. But I'm going to cut it off here that Modern Kirby happened at Triple Deluxe to just set it there. Although some would argue that Return to Dreamland is more the start of the Modern Kirby, but I think the later games more built off Triple Deluxe than Return to Dreamland until Kirby Star Allies, which feels like a combination of Return to Dreamland and Triple Deluxe Robobot. So today's episode is episode 44 of the Kirby Right Back Atcha anime. Titled War of the Woods in the US, and Wispy Woods' friend Acor, or Wispy Uzu no... Tomo Akuru in Japan. Considering the subject matter, English title wins this one. It was released August 10th, 2002 in Japan and April 12th, 2003 in the US. This episode has a lot of random characters in it, so we'll be going through quite a few voice credits today, and we'll cover them as we get to them. So the episode starts with King Dedede and Escargoon wandering into the woods at night looking for something. They eventually find it, and it is a big ugly tree. The oldest tree in the forest, and King Dedede wants to cut it down. He pulls out his laser chainsaw and gets attacked with blueberries. Out of the darkness comes many animals who attack and drive off King Dedede and Escargoon, and then the awesome opener plays. So they show all the characters right here, so let's go down the list and cover any voices that arise. First up are the Warthogs. You may recognize them from the games as Nruff and Nelly. Nelly being the smaller one, Nelly only showed up in Kirby's Dream Land 2 as the replacement boss for Lolo and La La La. You fight Nelly and Nruff on three platforms and eventually defeat them. Nruff would show up in future Kirby games, Kirby's Dreamland 3, Kirby 64, Return to Dreamland, Blowout Blast, and Kirby Star Allies. It was assumed that Nelly was Nruff's child, but it wasn't confirmed until Kirby Twitter put out a Mother's Day illustration 2019 with Nelly having a gift for Nruff. 
Also included in that image is Dinoblade with her Dinochicks, Blippers with Mamati. It's really hard to say. Mamanti? There you go. Mamanti. They're both fishes with water goggles. Mamanti is like a manta ray looking blipper instead of just a fish looking blipper, but it's the mother of them. And Pitch and Pitch is Mama. And in case you're wondering, the only other confirmed mothers in the games but was not featured in this drawing was Hot Wings, a boss from Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Big Birdie from Kirby's Mass Attack. So two other characters are a monkey and a purple squirrel who have no names. The purple squirrel has a voice line, by the way, but no credits on either version of the show. I honestly can't tell who it is from the voice cast. I don't think it's Andrew Rennell's. It's definitely a girl voice, but I'm not sure who's the voice of that purple squirrel. Best guess is probably tips of voice actress Carrie Williams. She did a lot of four kids voices back in the day, including being the voice of Nami in One Piece. Also the voice of Rebecca Hawkins in Yu-Gi-Oh! and various characters in Pokemon like Casey and Flora in Winx Club. Another member of these animals is the Woodpecker. He's in the group and his name is Kitsu. He has no lines like the monkey. Then there's Pod and Khan who would replace Nruff and Nelly as the boss who used the three platform stages in Kirby's Dream Land 3 and Kirby Star Allies. Pod is a raccoon and Khan is a fox. They're likely meant to be a Tanuki and a Kitsune, but were changed to raccoon and fox for mass media appeal since mostly only Japan would know about those things. They're voiced by, from my best guess, Andrew Rennells, the voice of Rick, who is also the voice director of the show. He's definitely Khan, at least, but I'm not sure about Pawn, since it's such a different voice. We would never hurt our friend! Yeah, we protect him from trouble! But from hearing the other voice in the cast, my best guess is maybe Andrew Rennells or Eric Stewart. For the Japanese side, there's no credits. I watched the credits for the episode in Japanese, could not find the credits for Pawn and Khan, I also can't tell just from the voices which actors it could be in Japanese either. The Japanese side utilizes very much more voices, and they do recycle some people, but mostly more voices, so it's even harder to tell, since there's only about a dozen people who do the US side compared to the Japanese side. And that's why I could tell Andrew Rennells was at least Khan. Now, I don't know if I've talked about Andrew Rennells before, but not in context of Rick, I don't think, at least. For some reason, they decided to make Rick Australian, by the way. So you always hear Australian noises and didgeridoo for him. Hey, it's me old pal Kirby. What brings you townies to the forest? But to be fair, it's kind of hilarious. So, Andrew Rennells, like I've told a few times, was the voice director for the anime and was various supporting characters. The main ones being Rick and Benny Kage. He's also the voice of Mako, Tsunami, and Yu-Gi-Oh! And he's won a Tony and Broadway award, by the way, and he's been nominated for many other awards. Here's something I did not know and surprised me. The Japanese voice for Rick is Makiko Omoto, also known as the voice of Kirby. It's been a while since we talked about her, so let's talk about her again. She was born in 1973 and is mostly famous for being the voice of Kirby, but that wasn't her first voice, by the way. Her first voice was actually a voice on a phone in Street Fighter II, the animated movie. She also did a couple voices in Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon, and then she became Kirby in Ness in Super Smash Bros. That's the first time she voiced Kirby was in the first Super Smash Bros. game. And this is also her first voice for Nintendo. And that was in 1999. So from then on, she's been the voice of Kirby and Ness in everything. But she's not the first voice of Kirby, by the way. That would be whoever voiced Mike Kirby's first mic attack, followed by the second, and then followed by the father of Masahiro Sakurai voicing him in the third voice when he yelled Chesto. That's Kirby Superstar. So when we cover that, I'll try to find it if I can there. In Kirby Superstar, Kirby's got the mic ability. He makes a noise, and then another noise, and then Chesto for the third one. So let's talk about Chesto a second. Sakurai recorded that line in his apartment and freaked out his neighbors because he yelled Chesto into the mic. And his neighbors like, what the hell? 
and I just can't find any credits for the other voices, unfortunately. So the second to last voice to talk about in this episode is going to be Koo the Owl. He hangs out with these animals, he lives at the tree too, but he's not in the opening scene. Koo, of course, is another member of the Animal Friends of Kirby. Kirby's Animal Friends are Rick, Koo, and Kine in Kirby's Dreamland 2, eventually return in Kirby's Dreamland 3, and then eventually Kirby Star Allies. The American voice for Koo is Eric Stewart, who is also the voice of Blade Knight, Sword Knight, Meta Knight, Gus, and Slice and Splice. On the Japanese side, Koo is voiced by Chiro Kanzaki, whose only other roles were in this anime, by the way. They voiced Hana, Koo, Lolo, and Blade Knight. That is their only credits ever in anime is this show. And the only voice left to mention is Acor, and we'll talk about that later on in the episode. So, wow, that was a lot of voice information. After the awesome opener, we see Wispy Woods, and he's surrounded in lovely flowers, which is reference, of course, to an early episode when he had a girlfriend. And he's visited by Kirby, Tuff, Takori, Spikehead, Honey, and Iroh. This is the first time the Cappies have met Wispy, by the way. And he offers them apples, and they all enjoy. Each kid eats an apple and has a comment. Iroh's comment was cut from the US version, by the way. Probably for time for commercials. Tuff says, is there anything they can do to repay Wispy Woods for the apples? And Wispy says he'd like for them to look out for his friend Acor. Acor has been around for 800 years, and Wispy is worried about him because he senses he is in danger. For a brief moment, Takori talks crap about trees, and Wispy drops an apple on him saying trees are helpful because they make oxygen we breathe and purify water and enrich the soil. Uh, Wispy's mostly right about those facts about trees. We do get a lot of our oxygen from sea life, though, if you didn't know that. Like, sea moss and all that makes a lot of our oxygen. So Tuff and crew go out to search for Acor. In the Japanese version, Takor is more talking crap because trees can only just sit there. And so Wispy hits him because, like, hey, can't be mad at us for just sitting here. It's what we do. We're trees. So in the next scene, we see Escargoon and King Dedede complain about the beating they took, and they just look outside the castle because what else are they going to do? And they see Kirby and the others walking towards Acor, and they decide to use their grasshopper eavesdropper to follow them. Kirby, by the way, walks very cutely during these scenes, while Honey comments that the weather is looking worse, and Spikehead comments that his dad said there's going to be a storm tonight. So that's not really good for them. Deep in the woods, they aren't sure where to find Acor, so Takori tells everyone to be quiet and listen, and so they do that. And they hear rushing water. Takori says they were told Acor was near a waterfall, so they follow the sound. Curiously, there's no water sound effects in the Japanese version until they see the waterfalls themselves. Only in the US version do you hear rushing water when they're listening for it, which is so odd. And so they find Acor at a waterfall, and let's describe Acor as best we can. So it, it's an ugly looking tree. It's like, he looks like two trees are next to each other and intertwined, and so it gives him this really weird, ugly face. There's like a big gap in the center. It's just so weird. And so when they see them, Iroh comments on just how old he looks, and Tuff's like, well, do you try being 800 years old and see how well you look? And then they all hide because they hear something. Turns out what they heard was the animals living inside Acor, and everyone comes out to see what they thought they heard. And then the woodpecker starts pecking at Acor, and Rick yells at the woodpecker, saying he's pecking too much into Acor. And then some hijinks happen between the animals, where the woodpecker goes too far and then falls off, and lands on top of Nruff, and Nruff charges after them. Eventually, Nruff chases into Pon and Khan and the bird, and Tuff decides they must be causing too much trouble living in Acor, and yells at all the animals to leave. By the way, in the Japanese version of this, they play the song Bubbly Clouds from Kirby's Dreamland, which is an interesting touch there. Only in the Japanese version, the US version just does whatever music. Rick recognizes Kirby and comes down and asks what's up. Tuff says Wispy asked him to help Acor, and accuses the animals of being a threat to Acor. The animals say all the damage to Acor is natural, and they weren't the ones who caused it. In the Japanese version, they also say that they pay rent by giving Acor fertilizer. Uh, take that as you will. 
Tuff demands to talk to Acor, and Rick says he's been asleep for five years. So Tuff says they're going to kick them out, and a fight ensues between the two sides. It starts with the woodpecker getting angry and attacking Tuff and the kids, which makes them run and they eventually get bowled over by Nruff. Khan then creams Takori with a blueberry, and then the monkey hits Ira with a Tarzan swing. Kirby, confused about the situation, gets hit by Nruff and Nelly and gets flung into the air, eventually landing on Tuff's head as he runs for cover. Tuff fights back with a slingshot and eventually everyone's throwing random forest things at each other. Eventually, Kirby sees a watermelon during all this and runs at it and it ends up being a rope trap. And Rick just, of course, laughs at Kirby for getting caught, but then Rick sees a piece of cheese and falls for the same trick. I don't know when either team was able to set up those traps, but they happened. And by the way, during all this fighting... In the Japanese version, they play a remix of the Japanese opening song to Kirby right back at you, so that's cool for them. So now, with the trap being sprung on both Kirby and Rick, they're both stuck upside down. And Rick shows some down-under violence by punching Kirby angrily. Kirby bounces back into Rick, and then they exchange punches. But eventually, Kirby gets spun around in their fight, and his rope breaks, and Kirby lands on Ruff and rides her around. Ruff eventually crashes into Acor and wakes up Ku, but not Acor. Ku realizes there's only one thing to do and flies away. Can you guess where Ku is going? There's only one answer, honestly. Meanwhile, King Diddy and Eskergoon are laughing as they watch. Then Ku gets to his destination, Tiff. He tells her what's up and she leaves with Ku. This shows Ku is potentially the smartest character in the anime besides Tiff and Meta Knight, because he knows exactly who to go to. Back at the forest, the animals can't find Kirby's team and assume they've left. But then smoke fills the area and they run away thinking it's a fire. Turns out it was Tuff and the kids using a fire and leaf fans to blow all the smoke at them. The kids then run to Acor to try to get a thanks, but Acor is still sleeping. And the kids think it's pretty rude to not get a th give a thank you, but Tuff doesn't care. They did their job well done, so now it's time for them to leave. Then they get confronted by Tiff. She yells at them asking if Wispy asked them to kick out the animals, which Tuff doesn't have an answer for. Tiff tells Tuff those animals help Acor by living in him. He provides them with a place to stay while they'll eat harmful insects and enrich the soil around him. Thanks to Tuff, Acor is in an even worse situation. That's proving that Tuff should always consult with Tiff before doing anything ever. <laughs> Takori then berates them too, which gets shut down by Ku since Takori was helping Tuff after all. Tuff realizes the threat must be King Dedede then, and they run back to the forest. Meanwhile, the weather is getting way worse. And they did a good job in this episode of mentioning the changing in weather. At the start it was sunny, and as the kids head to Acor's forest, Honey mentions the weather is getting worse. Spike had said his dad said it was going to be a storm. And we've just seen the clouds progressively get worse over time. And that's really cool that they did that. Instead of it just being sudden, like, oh, hey, there's a storm or something like that. Back at Acor, King Dedede has his chainsaw out and he cries happy tears because he's about to murder Acor and build his country club here instead of at Wispy Woods. Thankfully, just as he's about to cut into Acor, Tuff hits King Dedede with an acorn and he almost slices himself with his laser saw. King Dedede then goes on the attack, but Kirby sucks up the chainsaw and becomes Cutter Kirby. During this transformation, King Dedede got into his car and then shoots missiles at Kirby, and Kirby dodges and they drive away from Kirby. Kirby then throws his blade and misses since they were able to dodge, because they're in a car after all and they saw the boomerang coming. So then Kirby charges up his next attack, and it's so fast it cuts straight down the middle of their car before they even realize it. And in the Japanese version, by the way, Kirby calls out Cutter Beam as he does it. Which is, I always have to bring up, Sakurai didn't want Kirby to be able to talk in the anime, and yet, bam, Cutter Beam. So the car is cut in half, and Eskergoon notices the car is starting to split up, and he says they're drifting apart. Which King Dedede replies that they'll never split up. Thus showing that they are very much a couple in my eyes. 
But they don't have a choice. The two halves of the car come apart, and they drive in different directions away from each other. And as this happens, King Dedede says they've been divided, because of course he has to say that. So everyone celebrates, and Acor is still asleep. Unfortunately, the storm has now blown in, and they take cover. Iroh asks if Kirby could help, and Tiff says he can't. This is incorrect. We all know Kirby can go win Kirby, which could totally wreck the weather. But I guess they don't believe he could do it right now, especially because he doesn't have any source of wind power. Tiff also surmises that this storm was probably what Wispy was worried about, and things aren't looking good for Acor. But then, Rick and crew show up with ropes and longs, and everyone works together to keep Acor propped up. The whole idea is that they're trying to make sure Acor doesn't fall over from the storm. And it is pretty crazy when a tree falls from the wind. If you've seen, like, hurricanes and just crazy weather, when a tree falls over, it is violent, because they're so heavy. And during this desperate struggle, the Japanese version plays a song from Midnight's Revenge and Kirby's Superstar, when Kirby is destroying parts of the halberd ship. It sets the tempting pretty good for this episode. And I'll just say it now, a lot of times I talk about just the difference between the music of the two sides, Japanese and the US. For the most part, the US side wins, but what gives the Japanese side the edge is that they're able to use music from the games. And this is one where they definitely hit it out of the park by having all these different songs from the games. They don't do it all the time, but here they do it and it makes it superior, because it just works and it just fits very well. So while everyone's trying to keep Acor alive and not uprooted, turns out King D and Escargoon aren't done either. They're standing up high above everyone next to the waterfall, and they decide to blow up the waterfall to make it bigger and stronger to sweep away Acor and the kids. And so it happens. They use the grasshopper eavesdropper to blow up the waterfall. And the waterfall gets bigger and gushes right next to King Didi and Escargoon, and they watch from above, and all the kids get swept away by the water, leaving only Rick's crew because they attached themselves with ropes when they were working on trying to keep Acor together. And now Acor's getting submerged in water, though. Smaller trees start falling over and they get swept away. Trees up above where the waterfall is crash into Acor as they go down the waterfall. And finally the great tree gets uprooted and it is washed away. King Dedede and Escargoon claim victory, but obvious conclusion happens. The waterfall gets so big it also sweeps away Escargoon and King Dedede. So then we flash forward to the storm being over and everyone's okay and Acor's back where they started. Some shots were cut out for Time in the US version in reflecting the aftermath at this point, by the way. Just for commercials, I assume. And then King Dita and Escargoon are just, of course, confused. And Tuff explains that they were able to fix everything thanks to an apple from Wispy Woods. Kirby then poems cutely, and no further explanation is given. King Dita then decides it's time to fight everyone, but when Escargoon leaves, he decides to leave too. And finally, Acor wakes up. Dude got uprooted. And now he wakes up. Not when just awful things happen to him, but here when everything's okay. And he talks to everyone, and he says he had a dream that Wispy Wood sent friends to take care of him, and everyone laughs for some reason. And then Kirby eats the magic Wispy Wood's apple, and the end! In the Japanese version, he comments that he's still very young, and things like that, and they laugh about that. So, uh, it's not the best ending. It's so abrupt. So, we're 44 episodes in. This isn't the first time we've had a Deus Ex Machina ending. But it's usually Kirby doing it. This is one of the ones where it's very much Deus Ex Machina, which is just all of a sudden things are okay kind of ending. And just what the heck? It's really weird. It's just such an abrupt ending. Thing is, last episode was the same thing. The whistle. Tiff just uses the whistle and then everything's okay all of a sudden in episode 43. It's not the best writing. It really isn't. And the reason why we're usually okay with it is because usually it's Poyo Ex Machina. It is Kirby saving the day because Kirby's broken. <laughs> That is usually acceptable because Kirby's been there the entire time, 
While I was here, it's just, oh, hey, they use an apple and they save the day. Like, what? At least there was a little bit of foreshadowing with the whistle in 43. But just, some episodes are weird when they just suddenly end all of a sudden, and this is one of them. It's a really weird roller coaster. And so it's definitely one of the weaker episodes. Really, any episode that features tough prominently is definitely one of the weaker episodes after all. Like, the was the Flower Power episode? Also pretty not great either. Besides the candy bar joke. Now really, this episode's only a little bit better than the Japanese version. I don't know, this is not a very good episode. This is something I definitely disagree with with fans of Kirby, who say they don't like Tiff. They don't like Tiff because she's always nagging, but she's always being the smart person there, and they don't like her. It's Tuff who's lame. Tiff is not the lame character. Tiff is a badass. Tuff is the lame character. Tuff's a little jerk. He's not great. He does dumb things, which is what kids do, so okay, it's so fine. But Tiff is just such a responsible person, and she's just so cool. It's really weird that everyone hates Tiff, when they should always hate Tuff. Oh, by the way, in the Japanese version, Tuff says it's thanks to Wispy's life apples. Not just an apple, but Wispy's life apples. Which implies that they got a bunch of apples from Wispy while King Dedede and Escargoon were knocked out and fixed the forest. That's what it implies. So let's talk about Akoi's voice actor before we end this episode. Well, that certainly was a refreshing sleep. Akor is voiced by Unknown. And really, I'm not sure who it could be. It could be Andrew Rennells again, or maybe Eric Stewart. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if Andrew Rennells has that kind of range, so I think most likely Eric Stewart, maybe. It's really hard to tell. Japanese side is voiced by Nobuo Tabata, though, and we've talked about him a few times. They're the voice of Chef Kawasaki, Kabu, Kine, Samo, and many others. In this case, they're Akoru, Akor. He's the voice of the narrator in Bleach, by the way, Ebisu in Naruto, Peckham's in One Piece, and lots and lots of random voices all over the place. He's still doing voice work today, by the way. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is, of course, seeing things from Kirby's perspective, because that's a fun thing to talk about. So Kirby starts his day with, hey, Tuff and the others want to go see Wispy, let's go. Hey, Wispy, how you doing? Thanks for the apples. Are we going to go do Wispy a favor? The clouds are looking pretty gray, by the way. Huh, what's everyone got their hands on their head for? Oh, we're going this way? Oh, hey, that's a big old tree. Oh, hey, it's Rick and some other guys at this big old tree. Huh? Everyone's arguing. Uh, why are those brown things surrounding me? Oh, that hurt. This one, they hit him. Oh, wow, fun. Everyone's throwing stuff at each other. Oh, hey, a watermelon. What? Oh, I'm upside down. That's weird. Uh, now Rick's upside down, too. Hey, don't punch me. Punch. Huh? I'm riding a this brown thing now. Wow, it hit that tree really hard. I better get back to the others. Huh? They're making a fire. Everyone's celebrating for some reason. Yay! Uh-oh. Big Sis Tiff is mad for some reason. I really debated whether it's Big Sis Tiff or Mama Tiff. Either one, you could argue. Hey, that big meanie King Deity has a chainsaw. Okay, I'll suck it up, Tiff. Hey, I have a big yellow hat with a blade on my head now. <laughs> take that, King Dedede's car. Oh, I missed. Okay, really take it this time. All right, we saved this big old tree now. Oh, no, it's raining. Oh, no, it's really raining. <laughs> oh, hey, Rick and his friends are back and we're playing a new game. Oh, no, even more raining. I can't keep up the swimming. Goes to black. We did things, but I don't remember any of it. We saved the big tree, though, and it's talking, and for some reason we're laughing. And oh, an apple eats it. The end. Like, that's Kirby's day. Or two days, right there. Silly day. This episode's silly. It's not one of the best episodes. Someday we'll rank all 100 episodes. This will be around the bottom. For sure. I don't know what's the worst one. Maybe episode 8. I'm not sure. But this one was not great at all. So that is it for this episode. Next time will be Kirby Superstar, which is going to take a while. Expect a long break between this episode and that one, because it's going to be a bit. That's going to be a lot of work, and it might be a two-parter. Especially because I'm going to try to find all the interviews I can in English and in Japanese. I'm going to try my best to understand those interviews, because 
It is Kirby Superstar. That's a big one. It took three years for Sakurai to make it. And it set the stage for so much when it comes to Kirby games in the future. And after that, we'll go over Kirby right back at you, episodes 45 and 46, a two-parter. It's a really good two-parter. It's the one where it's Pumpkin Kirby, and that one's hilarious. Followed by more episodes. And a curious thing to mention is that Japan mixed things up themselves in a release order here. In the Japanese version, this episode ends with a preview of episode 47, which ends with a preview of episode 45. Episode 46 ends with a preview of episode 48, and it's all a bit confusing. Essentially, it looks like episode 47 was meant to be episode 45, and 45 46 were meant to be episode 46 47. That all sounds confusing, doesn't it? But um, if you just watch these episodes in Japanese, you'll see where that mistake is there. And the US version, of course, does not have anything, a preview for the next episode, so you never got that there. So that right there is the podcast, and I had fun talking, and I hope you had fun too, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time, and please share this with everyone you know that's a Kirby fan, because the more fans that get to see this, the more fun we can all have together. See ya!